ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. This is a special Tuesday episode. We are hot off the heels of NXT TakeOver War Games. I'm Elio Canella. He's Ben Pierce. Ben, how's it going? Very good, man. And I have to say thank you to you right off the bat because you uh, rescheduled this for, for me. We were going to do it uh, tonight at 8, but then I realized that the football game is on this evening and I don't want to miss that. So you had to get rescheduled and, uh, you know, yeah, it's just, right. it is what it is. Okay. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> All right. So, again, you, you got your revenge on me by, uh, by putting up this Dr. Picture of yourself right as we uh, right before we came on the air. You're bald and you look like a mental patient. <laughs> what the? Yes, <laughs> you know, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, Elio has a very uh, shall shall we say strange sense of humor. What is wrong with me? I I don't know. I ask myself that every day for the last ninety nine weeks. <laughs> actually, actually, more than that because we've done four bonus shows. So this is this is episode ninety nine of the regular show, and we have to um, we have to get ready because next Saturday will be an absolutely epic show. So because that will be our first foray into the triple digits. So this will be a nice warm up for that. All right, and um, so war games, Ben. First of all, let me just say, the me sometimes WD picks the stupidest theme songs for their pay per views. Not this time. They pick war pigs, Black Sabbath, off of the CD Paranoid. Yes, and, and they, that was... they picked a song that was released 50 years ago, and they're using it for a pay-per-view in 2020. Yes, well, and I, I have to say, um, I, I thank Triple H for that, because, you know, say what you want, but the, the man has excellent musical taste. And, uh, you know, War Pigs is definitely something that is up my alley. And then as soon as you told me that that was the theme song uh, on uh, on Saturday, I immediately went and listened to it after we got off the air. So I was nice and warmed up for the show on, uh, on, uh, set on Sunday. Now, um... For unlike some other pay-per-views, which we'll never hear from again, Great Balls of Fire, they use a song that was released in 1957. Oh god. Which doesn't work. Why would they why would you use Jerry Lee Lewis for a pay-per-view? It's just because it's got the same title. Great balls matter, of fire. Work. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really work. No. He mentioned uh, setting a, a, a wrestling video with WWE superstars to that music. <laughs> no. Uh, hell no. <laughs> I'll pass on that one. So we see this people. Um, so overall, I thought it was very good. I um, I particularly enjoyed the women's match and the, the women's war games match. And actually, both war games matches for me were the highlight. Um, 
there was only there was only one match that was kind of a miss for me. Oh, I know uh, which one. Anyway, I know I better know which one. Which one? Cameron Grimes and Dexter Lumis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that it was it was just kind of weird, like the just the mix of the two of them, like their characters are so um, different. It, it just didn't really land for me, but um. But the rest of them were perfectly, uh, perfectly great, and I I have to say, this was one of their uh, better offerings in 2020. Now I, I uh, oh go on. Because of all the brands, I feel like NXT has suffered the most from all the COVID backlash. Now I followed uh, Jimmy Corderas, former referee, WB referee, and on uh, Facebook, and uh, he gave uh, his uh, usual his uh, daily ref and rant on uh, NXT uh, Takeover, specifically the women's war games match. Yeah. For for him, he thought it was uh, like strange booking to have Team Candice go over a team that uh, had the advantage going in. Well, uh, yes, and and that part, that part, I one hundred percent agree with him on. Um, it was strange, but I just had a feeling that Team Candice was going to take it. Um, it's especially as as was reflected in in our prediction show. Um, but the reason why I, I thought Team Candice was going to take it was. You know, just think about all the momentum that uh, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae have. Um, that was not that was number one, and plus they've been losing a lot lately because they're the heels. I mean, if you, if you think about it, um, you know Johnny Gargano lost his North American title to uh, Leon Leon Ruff. Uh, Can- Candice LeRae has had her uh, her ongoing feud with Shotzi Blackheart. You know, hence why they were the, the team captains. And you know, other other than the one time where uh, Candice took out Shotzi's original tank, uh, you know, Shotzi has really been on the winning side of that aisle. So. It was about time for the Garganos to get a clean sweep, and it was definitely a good night to get it inside of uh, War Games. Now, okay, uh, what about this match? Did you like what parts stood out? Well, uh, yeah, first of all, let's yeah, let's uh, get into the pay per view with uh, this being the first match, the War Games, the women's War Games match. So, what uh, stood out for you in this one? Um. So immediately, um, the interplay between Rhea Ripley and um, Raquel Gonzalez, I thought was done very well. Um, you know, because if you if you'll recall, um, last I think it was last month, um, either that or like t- two months ago, they had. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm overexciting myself. I'm knocking my head from top of my head. Um, but they had the uh, battle of the badasses. Um, you know so they, they've been really um, they've been really teasing um, 
taking their feud to the next level. And I have to tell you, I've always been a Rhea Ripley guy uh, from the jump. Now, on the other side of that, uh, Raquel Gonzalez has had to grow on me. I really, um, I really wasn't sure about her, especially since it seems like they've been booking her as the second coming of China, um, which is just something you can't do because China was her own entity. You really can't compare her to anybody else. And I, I felt like booking Raquel. Um, China was not doing her a good service. So, um, but that, um, I enjoyed that interplay. And then um, the other, the other uh, standout performance for me was, um, was um, EO. I just, the fact that she was willing oh to. God. Did she see that jump off the cage? Yes. I mean, and on, on top of that, you know, she took the um, the big bump through the table off the top rope from uh, Raquel at the end of the match. And, you know, the, the thing is, and, and I, think, I think this match reflected this, the NXT women's division is the strongest is the strongest in all women's wrestling. You know, I would, I would, I would welcome an argument to the contrary, but quite frankly, I don't think there is one. Um, so I, you know, I, I felt like this was a good uh, representation of of that division, and even like, even like the the small things that that people wouldn't necessarily. Uh, noticed right off the bat are things that I enjoyed. For instance, the fact that they had the heels come out first, I always think is a nice touch because you know how you know how in championship matches the the challengers always come out first. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know when it, when it's not a championship match, I've always been a proponent of the heels coming out first. I, I always thought that was just a nice touch. Okay. Um, and then, um, and then a, cu- a couple other little, uh, little notes that I noticed. Whoever, whoever the ring announcer is for NXT, um, she did, I mean, she, she gave uh, William Regal some competition with her, uh, with her, you know, let the war games begin. But she actually did a really good. I think her name is Alicia something. I can't. I didn't get her last name, but I think it's Alicia. Yeah, actually, let me uh, just because I'm curious, I'm gonna look that up. NXT on the fly research. PNC exclusive, bitch. No, it's like this. PNC exclusive. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> you do it your way, I do it mine. What can I tell you? <laughs> All right. So, uh, it, 
the the ring announcer. What the not not the commentary team, you dumb shit. Um, yes, it's Alicia Warrington. Okay. Um, but uh, actually, she, I think she goes by Alicia Taylor in WWE. But nonetheless, um, she she did a very good job. And um, and you know, I. I was honestly, I was honestly surprised by the brutality of this match. I think, I think it's, just, I, th- I think it's just one of my, uh, one of my little um, pet peeves. Uh, sometimes I don't like excessive violence in women's matches. One because I'm just, I'm protective, and two. Um, Sometimes it just doesn't come off well because it's like, you know, they're trying to be, you know, violent for the sake of violence. Um, In this case, it was okay, though, because they, they, they had to go to war. Uh, yes. And then the other, the other thing, the other thing I, I noticed, and these are just like little things before we get into the meat and potatoes of the match. Um, I really liked how the commentary team, specifically Wade Barrett, was putting over Raquel Gonzalez. I think, I think they did a fantastic job, and I think we might be on our on their way to building a uh, new star with Raquel Gonzalez. So mm-hmm. I, um, whereas I wasn't uh, too into her in the beginning stages of her time in NXT, uh, she's really starting to win me over. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, despite the fact that we have a cage, I really, um, I really enjoyed how it, almost like every single, um, competitor was, uh, coming in and, uh, grabbing a weapon before, um, before she entered the cage, as if we what didn't have what, enough brutality. What about the lighting at, at the, at the beginning of the match? I thought that was really cool, the way the lighting... The lights uh, shone down on the ring. It gave yeah. that cool effect. Yes, yeah, the, the, the red lighting at the very beginning. Yes, yeah. I, I, I agree. Absolutely. And so um, as to the uh, match itself, um, now that we've covered a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, surrounding factors, um, I I love how the, how the two rings look, um, you know, surrounded by one cage. That's just a. I've always loved the war games concept. Although I really hope they don't start doing it yearly, because I think this is like the. Um, I want to say either the third or fourth consecutive year they've done, a war games, and I just don't think it needs to be done. Yearly, I think it needs to be done when when the feuds call for it. But that's what the NWA WCW used to do, didn't they? Well, yeah, but that but that doesn't that doesn't mean that that it needs to be done yearly on all different occasions. Oh, like again, yeah, like I think you mean like multiple times in a, in the year. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. I, I, I thought you meant like at least once a year. 
Well, that, well, that too. I mean, it's uh, it does it doesn't need to be done for the sake of doing it. Is what I'm saying. Like when when the feuds call for it, then then I'm all for it. But um, you know, because because oh, I the, get it. Because then it loses. It's yeah. Yeah, I mean, look what happened with Hell in a Cell when uh, <laughs> when Bray, Bray Wyatt lost. Um, so, uh, so anyway, getting into the getting into the actual match. So it it starts with Dakota Dakota Kai and Ember Moon, and Ember Moon gets the um, gets the early offensive advantage. Uh, with um, uh, with a big forearm to the chest and a suplex into the cage. With when you see a suplex into the cage, uh, followed up shortly thereafter by a diving crossbody into the cage, you know that you're in for a violent evening. You know what I mean? It's just. Hey, the, uh, the the sound of skin on steel does does a special thing to the human. It, it, it's 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 just another Saturday night at work. I, I guess. I mean, I mean, God bless him. But just the, you know, that sound of of skin grating on steel is like a cheese grater I mean, going down your face. No, I'm, like, not, I'm, not, I'm saying it's just another regular Saturday night at work, I guess. For <laughs> who? A crazy <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I don't know, but it's... Um, and then... Uh, there was a... There was a really... There was a really nice spot where... Dakota Kai hit a sunset flips off the ropes as uh, and then like her knees came down into uh into Ember's back, which I thought was a nice spot. Um so if you if you'll recall, um uh Team Blackheart had the um had the one person advantage, which was as we discussed, part of the um uh, what made it weird for uh, Team Lorraine to get the victory? Um, so the uh, the the next uh, member of the team uh, came in, which happened to be uh, Shotzi Blackheart. I was kind of confused confused by the um, by the uh, order of entry in this match. I would have. I would have expected the captains to come in later. I, I would have expected that to be like a perk of being a captain. Um, but I guess they went into another direction, which quite frankly, I wasn't hating. Um, and then, uh, and then as, I, as I said, each member uh, decided to grab a weapon on their way to the ring. For Blackheart, it was a crowbar and a toolbox. Um, I, I guess she had it left over from working on her tank. Um, yeah, that's what the commentator said. <laughs> yes, see what I did there? I know I noticed the little things and then bought them onto the show in a more entertaining fashion. Uh, <laughs> but uh, God, sometimes, sometimes I just entertain myself. Uh, <laughs> but um, 
I I really like uh, I I I really liked how uh, Blackheart had a suplex on Kai into the into the turnbuckle, skipping ahead a little a little bit. That was really nice. Um, and then uh, then we get a uh, we get a missile drop kick from Blackheart off of uh, off of off of uh, Dakota Kai. She was on, uh, Dakota Kai was on Ember Moon's shoulders and it ended it ended with Kai hitting the mat after the job kick, of course. Um, and then uh, skip, skipping, skipping ahead because I don't want to go through every single um, every single move in the match because that would just take too damn long. Um, skipping ahead to something I mentioned earlier, the 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 interplay between Rhea Ripley and um, Raquel Gonzalez was very nice. Uh, specifically, um, how the commentary team was putting over Gonzalez, I thought was a nice touch. Um, and you know, I don't know if you noticed this, but when uh, when Gonzalez came in, the the intensity meter just uh, seemed to seemed to go up. Um, so that's always that's always something I I enjoyed. And then you know, it was it was kind of interesting how they used the middle of the two rings. You know, the metal part as kind of like the meeting ground for uh, Rhea Ripley and uh, and Raquel. I, 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 like I that thought part. for sure somebody yeah. was going to hurt themselves going going off of that. I like that they, they always say that the, uh, the, the ring apron is the hardest part of the, the ring. Well, in this occasion, I would have to disagree with that, with that metal plating in between the two ranks. I, I, w- I would not want to take a bump off of that. No, thank you. Um, but, um, but, uh, with, when Ripley tackled Gonzalez, I was like, holy shit. But the the only person who I thought really had a, uh, had a, like, off night was was Tony Storm. I I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, hold on. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe I just uh, don't like uh, Tony Storm as a heel. Um, I was just about to ask you. I was I was about to ask them, and then I was about to ask you. She definitely. She sent Rhea Ripley back first into uh, into the exposed turnbuckle. And I, I, I just think that's an overdone uh, spot. But um, one of gonna, one of the, one, was, of the uh, one of the aspects of the match that I enjoyed the most um, was um, was Gonzalez doing everything that she that she could to keep uh, Shirai out of the ring, um, and the fact that it actually worked for an extended period of time. Uh, giving Gonzalez's team the the advantage for for a much a longer stretch of time than the uh, than the stipulation called for, 
I thought it was very nice. And leading leading into that, how how the ending of the match was, um, Gonzalez putting Shirai through a table. Um, so so overall, this um, this match was 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 booked very well. Um, and uh, and yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed this this one. Um, it was it was very uh, it was it was very creative with with some of the spots, it, it, especially with Io Shirai having a really uh, interesting uh, journey into the ring. Um, as I as I mentioned, Gonzalez and Ripley seem to be a, a focal point of, of the match. And then um, and then as you were mentioning, Elio. Uh, the one, the one spot which, in my opinion, stole stole the show was um, was Io Shirai covering herself with a uh, tr- with a trash can and and jumping off of the top of the cage, um, and then uh, another another spot which I, which I enjoyed was. And I, I, I often wonder, you know, just how torturous the eclipse is on, uh, on um, Ember Moon to pull off. Uh, but I'll, t- I'll tell you what, when she hit the eclipse onto two chairs, it was like, holy fucking shit. I mean, th- th- she definitely earned her paycheck. Um. And then, and then one other, one other, uh, one other note um, uh, before we move on to the to the next match. Uh, it appeared that uh, that Candice LeRae might have broken her arm because she was really uh, she was really favoring her arm. And now um, after after the show, um, Triple H said that she was going to get an MRI. So. All the best for her, um, but uh, but I guess that's what happens when you jump off a ladder onto a bunch of chairs that are located on your opponent's upper body. So um, you know, I, I guess the the cost of doing business inside war games. But um, overall, Elio, what do you, what did you think of this match? Did I miss any important spots that you'd like to highlight? No, this was a great match. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they really um, outdid themselves with this one. Um, next next up we had uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus uh, Timothy Thatcher, and uh, you know I I I personally absolutely love these two guys. I thought that this was the um, a perfect. A perfect pairing. The, the only the, the only other pairing that I would I would be more interested in seeing down the line is uh, Champa versus Lumis. I think I think that that will be a very interesting uh, match. Hopefully, we'll get to see that soon. Whether it be on a takeover or um, on a regular edition of NXT. Um, but um, but. One of, one of the things that I have to mention uh, immediately um, 
was uh, was the damage done to the ear um, of uh, of Timothy Thatcher. Um, it was it was just it was just absolutely grimy. I mean the that cut was. I'm actually surprised they didn't uh, stop the match and, and clean them up. But but even even after even after the injury to the ear, which I which I think took took place after um after Champa hit a running kick to the head. Um, you know, so so the the injury was just absolutely um, disgusting. I, I mean, I was for some reason that gave me flashbacks of Evander Holy of Evander Holyfield getting his getting his ear bitten off by uh, by Mike Tyson. I mean, I don't know why, but I mean, I, I was legitimately having a th- throwback to watching that in the hospital in 1997. I I actually actually this spot might have had more blood involved. Um. And uh, and just I was very surprised with how technical the match was, um, because because we know we know that Timothy Thatcher is a very technical wrestler, um, but uh, but just with how violent Champa is known to be, I was I was surprised they went more with the with the technical side, and I dare say they had the. Uh, had the e- had the ear spot not happened the way that it did, uh, this match wouldn't have come off as well. So, uh, hats off to um, hats off to uh, Thatcher for taking significant damage to his ear. And uh, like I said, I hope I hope that the damage isn't permanent. But God damn, did that look nasty? Um, and. Uh, and then, of course, the ending of the match came with uh, Champa hitting hitting the Willow's Bell. Of course, if you didn't know that, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't know this, being an NXT student of the game. But Willow's Bell is named after uh, Champa's daughter Willow, so that works out well. Um, I I really enjoyed the old school style of the match. Um, and um, the fact that that Shambo was was trying consistently to tie up Thatcher and the ropes uh, to gain an advantage. Um, and this was this was just a really nice a really nice way to get uh, Tommaso Shambo back in the upper echelon of the card because. I don't I don't know how you feel about this, but um, I just feel like Tommaso Ciampa has been floating in nowhere land uh, since he took that brutal loss at the hands of Karrion Cross. Uh, what what do you what do you think of where Tommaso Ciampa is uh, at, in the card currently and where he might be heading in the future? Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's not been the same uh, that we've seen in the past since he made his return. Yeah, and um, and so it, it'll it'll just be interesting to see where he goes and 
and what opponents they have uh, lined up for Tampa. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, as much as much as I like uh, Timothy Thatcher as a wrestler, I'm not sure if he has the uh, the star quality or the charisma to uh, to go very far on the uh, main roster. Not that he doesn't have the talent, but I, I just I just don't see him being a uh, pivotal player on the main roster. I would like him to be. Uh, he's definitely he's definitely my style of wrestler that I enjoy. Um, but um, just knowing how the old man and Bruce Pritchard book things, um, I could see I could see Thatcher being double parked in NXT for the long haul, and uh, I wouldn't really mind that because one one thing that uh, has been consistently documented is the main roster's ability to kill interest in NXT talent. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that that doesn't happen to Thatcher. Okay, and then the next match we have, in the match number three, we had Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. This yes. was, this, uh, um, I didn't like this. Are you trying to move this show along? <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but um, yes, uh, so so Cameron Grimes came out with his own strap. So uh, they they had they had his strap, and then they had um, a strap being held by the referee, which which was uh, which was supposed to be the official strap, but they went with they went with with Grimes's strap after. Um, after the ref couldn't get a response from Loomis and he took that as agreement. So Loomis puts the strap around his left wrist and off we go um, with this. Um, obviously in a strap match there are no DQs and uh, it, it gets pretty physical right off the bat. Um, with uh, Grimes being sent into the turnbuckle, uh, followed up with a clothesline. Uh, there, there wasn't uh, there wasn't too much to say about this about this match, so um, we'll we'll definitely cut down the length of the review with this match because one of, one of the one of the things that nowadays. Um, that's really d difficult to do it is a strap match. Um, you know, they had some good spots, um, but um, especially where Loomis tripped up Grimes with the strap or to send them uh, into, into a chair was really good. Um, you know, but but I, I guess with, with the differences in character between Dexter Loomis and uh, and Cameron Grimes. I just I just don't really see these two being a successful pairing in a strap match. So, um, so this this match, as I uh, as I mentioned, was was the weak point of the evening for me. And um, I'll pass it over to Elio if he has anything. 
further to say on this subject before I move on to the triple threat North American title match. No, just, uh, this was uh, the moonlight for me. I hold on, I, hold on. Let me fix my thing because I'm having trouble hearing you. Hold on. Okay, now while we're doing. Okay, so, nope. say again. Nope, this was a little light for me. That's that's all I have. Okay, very good. And the good thing is I can actually hear you again, so we're good. Um, so ne next up was the triple threat match. Um, this one, um, this one was a little uh, was definitely um better than its than its uh, pre predecessor, I would say. Uh, the the one thing that I that I don't like about this whole um, Johnny Gargano thing uh, is this this ghost face uh, henchman deal they got going on there. Uh, although although I am a fan of uh, Austin Theory being aligned with Johnny Gargano, the the. the the cheap screen knockoff deal is not working for me. Um, of of course, of course, uh, getting into the match now that that now that that's off my chest. Um, you know, I don't I don't think anybody expected uh, Oyan Ruff to retain here. I don't I don't think there were any long term plans uh, for Ruff. Uh, to be the North American champion. I didn't even like the fact that he was booked to be the champion in the first place because it was done for shock shock and comedy value, which which I didn't uh, which I don't particularly enjoy. As soon as soon as the belt fell off of Ruff, as soon as uh, Priest put it on him, I was like, okay, this isn't gonna work very well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then th throughout the match, um, it was almost like R Ruff was an afterthought with uh, Priest constantly telling him to get out of the way and, and warning him before, um, before doing any offensive moves on him. Um, uh, at one point, uh, at one point, Priest power bombs rough into the barricade uh which knocked which obviously knocked down the barricade but also knocked down a piece of the glass that uh attached to the barricade so that was interesting um and then um and then uh hold on where where was i hold on let me, let me okay and then at that point, uh, the ref called for more referees to check on um, on Ross. They took him out, which which set up for the classic babyface injury comeback, which we saw uh, later on in the match. Uh, Gar Gargano hit a spinning DDT on the floor. I believe it was on Priest. Uh, Priest um, recovers and hits a spinning heel kick. 
I lo- I love how um, how uh, Priest moves for a big guy. He just has he just has so much grace and athleticism. I I I think uh, Damian Priest could be a big time player for WWE in the very short term future because um, I just see money all over him now. Granted, I saw money all over a lot of NXT guys, and they. They fucked them up, but hopefully that doesn't happen with Priest because I really like him. As, as you'll recall, Elio, I wasn't uh, always sold on uh, Damian Priest. I didn't really know what the nature of his gimmick was. I still don't know what the nature of his gimmick was, but uh, but just his his in ring work has completely uh, won me over. Um, Speaking of uh, Leon Ruff's babyface return, he jumps off Priest's back and takes and takes down Gargano with uh, with punches. Um, he gets a somersault dive on both opponents on the floor, um, and. Uh, yeah, apparently Leon Ross is taking his his role as uh, the the Energizer Bunny quite seriously because he's bouncing around quicker than Rey Mysterio in this bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my um, one of my uh, favorite um, spots in the match was was uh, Priest hitting a uh, a razor's edge. On uh, on uh, rough and um, the the match ends when rough um, gets a near fall on Gargano. Uh, Gargano hits a super kick um, and uh, and follows up with a one final beat for the pin at 17 minutes and 28 seconds. As uh, Gargano becomes the North American champion for a third time, um, which is a record for that p- particular championship. Um, th- this was th- this was definitely a solid match, um, but I think I think just having the uh, the cheap ending with with um, the roll up spot and. Um, and the ghost face characters, I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy that. But the match itself was 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 pretty good. Um, as I said, the uh, the war games matches really took took over as matches of the night. And with that being said, we get into the main event, which is the men's war games match. Uh, pinning Pat McAfee and and team against uh, the undisputed air, and I don't know about you, Elio, um, but I I was once again thoroughly impressed by Pat McAfee's performance. Uh, he hit a couple of spots, uh, um, t- a couple of spots in this match, which were absolutely uh, fantastic. Uh, when he hit the, the swanton bomb off the cage, I was like, holy crap. 
And then, of course, he fell victim to a table spot, um, which for him to take that level of damage in uh, only his second match ever is absolutely um, great. I, w I was um, a little bit disappointed by the, by the ending of the match. Obviously, we're going to go through more than the ending. These are just my initial thoughts. Um, but to have um, to have the, the ending come with um, with like a uh, a knee drop by O'Reilly on on Larkin after all the after all the damage that we saw in the match and all the melee uh, for the match to end on a simple uh, knee drop was a little bit weird. Um, but I, uh, the highlight of, of the match, um, for me, other than the swan Tom bomb off the top by, uh, by McAfee, um, I, I really, I really enjoyed the, the teases when, uh, when Undisputed Error had, uh, had, uh, Pat McAfee, uh, cornered. And I, to me, that interplay just um, just sold the match for me. But but um, to me, the most the most shocking point of the match, regardless of anything, was was Pat McAfee kicking out of the Panama Sunrise when he kicked out of that. I was like, holy shit! Um, so uh, once again. This is one of those matches that I, I feel like anything I say won't do it justice. I would just, um, I would highly recommend uh, going back and, and checking out this match as well as the Women's War Games match. And you will be, you will be extremely satisfied with the price of admission. Um, there one more spot that I would like to uh, call um, into uh, into focus here was would be when Cole and Don hit the bitter end slam on the top of a steel chair it was absolutely brutal. Um, I I thought that was going to be the end of the match right there, but then, then again I then, then again I thought that when um, when Cole hit the Panama Sunrise. So at this point. I was along for the ride, um, and um, I, I was shocked. This was a forty-five minute match, but it, it, it's funny how how they call it a forty-five minute match, you know, because there's 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 eight in this situation. There's eight people that got to get in 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 the in the ring before the match even officially begins. So it's like it's like two separate matches taking place in one, you know, because you're waiting for everybody to get in, and then and then of course, um, you're waiting for the actual match to start, you know. So so that is, that that's an oddity of, you know, of a war games match because, in my opinion. As soon as two guys get in there, the match is underway, and then, and then the stipulation takes over when everybody gets in there. So that's 
That was weird. Uh, what do you what do you think of the structure of the War Games match, and um, and how and how they consider it a match? I like I like uh, the structure and the concept of the match. Okay, cool. And uh, and and with with that being said. Um, that will end our war games review. I hope I didn't go too long. Uh, and uh, and we will um, we will leave you with our our take on Monday Night Raw, which I assure you was drastically less entertaining. I will uh, I will pass it over to Elio for his take on Monday Night Raw, since I burned my voice out on the war games review. Elio, take it away. Yes, you talked way too much. Oh, shut up. It wasn't like you were helping me out. <laughs> I was trying to. I... All right. In, okay, we have um, the first match. We have Asuka defeating Shina Baszler. Which um I have a theory on um well we're getting that that in our TLC on on our future show. I have a theory about Lana this Lana situation. Oh pl- oh please go ahead and tell me now please. These past I don't know how many weeks Lana's been put through a table. It, it, it was nine consecutive weeks. I think at TLC, they're going to give them the tag team championships. Oh, kill me now. Just kill me. Because the, 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 the women's tag team titles don't mean anything. So it's like, on one hand, I wouldn't mind that because they don't mean anything. But it's, it's just like, I just want the storyline to die. Oh, that's why they're going to give them the championship match, the championships, because they have to do something. They can't just do this for nine weeks without giving her something. Yeah, and then, uh, then of course, last week you have um, you have Lana pin Shayna Baszler. I thought my head was going to fucking explode at that point. Unbelievable. Uh, Lana pinning Shayna Baszler. I mean, Ben, I have a question about that. Yeah. And that question is simply how? I don't know. I, you know, I, I wish I had a logical analytical response for you, but, um, you know, I think, um, I think that this is just um, an attempt to get somebody over and that it's not working. Although, you know, from from the jump, uh, as soon as uh, Nia Jack started putting Lana to a table, I'm like, I can see where they're trying to go with this, but this is not going to work because, one, Lana has never been portrayed as a wrestler. And, and look, this isn't an insult to her. This is just me breaking it down as I see it. And I think breaking it down in a very fair fashion. 
So there are a couple different factors here. One, as I said, Lana has never been portrayed as a wrestler. She's always been a valet. Uh, and number number two, even when um, even when her husband departed the company, she never she, she very rarely wrestled. I, to to my recollection, um, previous to this run that she's been on with Nia Jax, Sheena Baszler, and Austria, I think. I think that she wrestled less than five times. I really do. Um, you know, I, I, I would be interested to get the exact number of times that she's wrestled, but I'm not sure if that statistic exists. Um, but it's just, it's just one of those things where, one, I'm not invested in Lana as a character. Um, they haven't done nearly enough to make me care about her in the first place. And, and if your only means of getting me to care about somebody is putting them to a table nine times when they're not a wrestler in the first place, it's ridiculous. Now, now it makes, it would make sense if they kept Lana out of the ring and then, and then had had somebody take up for her. But the fact that she is constantly saying that she doesn't want title shots because because she turned she turned down a, a women's championship match with Oscar. She she has said that she does she doesn't want the tag team belts. Um well Excuse me for for putting for putting this simply, but I just don't have patience for this bullshit. So let me just break this down. Um, talking directly to Lana, uh, if if you don't want championships, then what the fuck are you doing in the wrestling business? Yes, g- good question. So it, it, it just. It, it makes it makes her look stupid and it doesn't it doesn't do anybody any favors yep so that's my take on that i know and again wb since so uh, you can't since ben couldn't help me with trying to figure out how this happens let me again ask you It's it's one it's one of the it's one of those mysteries of the world, my, my man. I, you know, I told you, I, you know. Okay, it's, so it shouldn't be the case, but it is. And uh, and my only logical answer is that this is how far WWE has fallen. And I know there's a segment at the beginning. Uh, we will we will look at that. Uh, after the matches, uh, we had the, another for Rick Shea and Dana Brooke defeating Retribution, Reckoning and Slaughter again, making right, making me a Yim lose in her second match. I I don't know what I don't know what the what what I mean I I understand what Ricochet has to do with with Retribution because he has a long-standing relationship with uh, Mustafa Ali, but 
Can someone explain to me why uh, Dana Brooke has been randomly inserted into this situation? I don't know. Um, well, that, that makes two of us because I am I am absolutely godsmacked as to why we're getting this. And this is and I, I don't know why, why uh, this happened, but Kofi Kingston defeat is is defeats Shelton Benjamin in the next match, but then Cedric Alexander turns around and defeats Kofi Kingston. Oh God! So so when so let's let's break this down. Um. First of all, the new day. Correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong, Elio. And actually, if if, if you wouldn't mind, uh, while I'm talking about this, could you pull up the tag team roster on Monday Night Raw? Okay, hold on. And let me know when you when you have it. We're 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 doing on the fly research to see if I can, see if I have this correct. But I I have a theory. Uh, it doesn't matter. Just WWE, right? Yeah, just just w WWE Raw tag team roster. Oh, WWE Raw tag team roster one. Because if I'm not mistaken, Elio, there's only two tag teams on that roster. Well, let me put 2020 to be specific. Yeah. But I think while Elio okay, is doing I, that, I, I have everything here. Yeah. So there's um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. There's Rudin Ziegler, Cesaro Nakamura, Grand Metalik, and Lince Dorado. Yeah, but that, that's Sorry. on SmackDown too. So, oh. which one? Oh, which I, ones are Raw? That's right. Hold on. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, that that was the first thing that uh, popped up. Okay, anyway, on Raw. Let's take a look at tag teams. So keep uh, keep talking while I keep looking here. So, so uh, okay, original. Originally, I thought there was two, but I think there's no, I, three. I, I, have, I have it. I have it. Okay. So I'm not sure how this is a team because this guy hasn't even uh, wrestled. AJ Styles and Omos. No, that's bullshit. That doesn't even count. Okay. The Hurt Business, Miz and Morrison, uh, Lucha House, Party of Dorado, Grand Metal League, New Day, oh. and Retribution. Bullshit. Okay, let me let me break this down for you. Okay, because uh, one retribution is not a tag team; they're a fucking stable. Okay. Yep. So let's cut the bullshit there. Okay. Uh, we we never see the Lucha House Party. So what ever. about the, what, what about the Hurt Business? They're another stable. Yes, and and yet they're the ones constantly getting tag team title shots. So you only They've have got, so hold on, you only have Miss Morrison and New Day. You have two teams. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, but yet the the Hurt business has gotten. And look, I like the Hurt business, but you have failed to capture the tag team titles on three separate occasions. And yet you're still wrestling singles matches to try to get back into tag team title consideration. 
uh, can someone help me before smoke comes out of my ears? <laughs> and then we have a three on two handicap match. AJ Styles, Miz, and Morrison defeating Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Can I pose a question? And okay. I, I know I have a history of coming off and sounding like a smart ass. Um, <clears throat> but allow me to clear my throat <clears throat> before I ask this question. <clears throat> uh, why in the name of the sweet baby Jesus is the, are the Miz and Red Morrison in a WWE championship storyline? Why? I don't know. <laughs> Help me understand the madness. Well, well okay. I can understand Miz because he's the guy at the money in the bank. But, okay, per perfectly fair, valid point. And I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up because I have, a, I have a sidebar that I would like to bring up as a result. Um, what was the purpose of giving the Miz the money in the bank uh, briefcase. To get it off of Otis, I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, no, that that's good, a good answer because that was what I was looking for. Because that's my point. So you give it to the Miz because management somehow miraculously realizes that uh, Otis is not a a good fit for um, the briefcase because he is a comedy gimmick and nobody would take him seriously as a WWE champion. That's why they took it off. Hold on, am I cracked? Yeah. Okay. So then of all people, you give it to The Miz. I understand he was a former WWE champion, um, and I'm not taking that away from him because during that run, he was great. Um, but isn't The Miz another comedic wrestler? Yeah, but he's not, it's not the same as that Otis. Otis is just a comedic wrestler. Miz can be serious. Fair point. Um, but but it, let me let me ask you this. So if you had if you had your way, would you have given the money in the bank contract to Miz under any circumstances? I would have uh, given it to. Uh, uh, hmm. Give it to. I'd like to see Sheamus with the championship one more time. Yes, and um, you know, yeah, but unfortunately for Sheamus, you know, this whole storyline is leading to Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre, and even though that's a match I definitely want to see, we know that Sheamus will not be taking the belt off the Drew McIntyre. We just, we, mm -hmm. we know that. That To me, that's a foregone conclusion. That's but, that's why I, I, I think. guess my, my point for bringing all this up is when you have something that's a guaranteed title 
title win virtually in the, in the Money in the Bank briefcase, and you you originally give it to someone like Otis, he knows not going to win, so I don't know why that decision was made in the first place. And then you give it to The Miz, who has the capacity to be serious, but is in this comedic tag team with John Morrison, and you expect me to take him seriously as a threat to um, to Drew McIntyre. And, right. and keep in mind, keep in mind, my friend, that um, when 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 Drew McIntyre, um, or, I'm sorry, when the Miz was gonna was gonna cash in on Drew McIntyre um, the other week. Uh, Drew McIntyre had taken Starship Pain from from Morrison. He had taken the uh, skull crushing finale from the Miz, and yet the Miz still couldn't cash in successfully after after the Miz after uh, McIntyre got laid out with two finishing maneuvers. Um, that doesn't that doesn't paint a very rosy picture for the Miz as a potential future wait, WWE wait, champion. Wait, is is that it? Uh, he doesn't have the briefcase no more. Had, he doesn't have the briefcase. Uh, hold on. Say, I'm sorry. Say again. He doesn't have the briefcase anymore. Yeah, he he really doesn't. Oh wow! Oh, so see, he did cash in, and he had, so that was an official cash in. Okay, I thought uh, because no, he, no, AJ, no, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you because my headphones were messed up. But no, it no, it wasn't an official cash in because the bell never rang. Oh, so he still has it. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Um, next match. We have Bobby Lashley defeating Jeff Hardy by submission. Okay. Why would you put those two in the ring together? Well, that, 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 that was an odd pairing. Yeah. And the main event, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton ends without a winner. So there's no contest there. Yeah, and that that was a, that was a really um, that was a really interesting way to bury the RKO because if if you if you recall, uh, right as the lights went out um, or started to go out, um, Randy hit the RKO on to Bray Wyatt, who was not the fiend at this point, and then all of a sudden. The the lights go out, and and the the fiend is not even laid out. Um, so it's almost as if the RKO didn't happen, and he's got the mask on, and he chokes out Randy Orton with the mandible claw. Now, now all of that is very fascinating and all good, but. Now you've managed to kill two birds with one stone, and I, and I dare say three birds with one stone because now we've seen Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. We've seen Randy Orton versus The Fiend, um, and and now and now you want me to watch the thing again 
and be equally as emotionally invested in a third face-off between Randy Orton and The Fiend. And, and of course, this all comes uh, off of the opening segment, which was a Firefly Funhouse. And, and that was, okay, and that was very weird because... Please, I want to know, please, I want to know what you thought about this Firefly Funhouse. I didn't know what to make of it. I was very confused because um, and and I don't even mean this in a joking fashion, but what I, what I was expecting was for Randy Orton to enter the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah, I I thought I thought that was the entire purpose of Randy inviting himself into the Funhouse. Instead, you have uh, Bray Wyatt wanting to play a Price Is Right game or something. No, it was, it was, it was, oh, it was so disturbing. Can I, can I say, can I say the name, please? Please, yeah, go ahead. It was, let's get Randy. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, okay, I know, I'd forgotten the name, but oh yeah, now I remember. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I'm sorry for having to remind you. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> so, so you got you got Rambling Rabbit and Huskis Harris. I thought Rambling Rabbit and, died. Um, I thought they murdered the rabbit. And another puppet who, who, whose uh, name is escaping me at the moment. But I thought they uh, murdered. Playing, I thought they murdered the rabbit. Um, contestants on. Let's get Randy. <laughs> I thought they murdered the uh, and Ben. They can't answer the question properly. And then you have Bray Wyatt getting pissed off at uh, Rambling Rabbit because he suggested sitting down calmly and discussing their issues. Uh... And and now you expect that segment of let's get Randy to <laughs> get me excited about a, a title match between the two of them. And meanwhile, in all seriousness, Elio, after watching Let's Get Randy, I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> I thought I thought they killed the rabbit. This this was this was fucking embarrassing. Um, now, you know, you, you have, to, you have to wonder, you know, like who, who's, and once again, this is a rhetorical question, uh, but you have to wonder whose job it is to oversee and approve this shit. So somewhere along the line, the concept of let's get Randy, <laughs> Uh, was approved. <laughs> it was it was a game show hosted by a psychotic Mr. Rogers in which he was interviewing his puppets. <laughs> Explain this. You know, so it, it 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 didn't really land for me. And so, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we will now shift gears as my co-host has a special ending planned for 
this afternoon's show. Plug your, plug your headphones in. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. They're not working. So, okay, take your headphones off. You can, can you use the mic on your computer? I think so, yeah. Okay, so just use that. Okay. Because that's why I was getting frustrated a few times because I kept, uh, I kept, I uh, wanted to jump in and you couldn't hear me. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, you're that's good the, now. That, that's why you kept going on about war games, and I was trying to jump in, and you couldn't hear me. Oh yeah, I'm. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. My bad. All right. So, what do we have this week? Hey Ben, you are a yeah. you are a superstar, okay, and you are a free agent. Okay. So you have to pick your contract and you have five options, all right? Yeah. So your five companies are WWE, AEW, ROH, Impact, and House of Glory. Okay. Now, your contract for, for WWE is 30 million. For AEW, it's 50. For ROH, it's five. Impact, it's 12. And for House of Glory, it's two million. Okay. Your perks for the for WWE for WWE are a guaranteed WrestleMania main event spot. However, you have no creative control and no third party affiliations. And how much was the, how much was the contract for? That, that's thirty million. All right. Okay. AEW, your contract is for fifty million. You have a classic feud with Kenny Omega, and once your feud is done, you'll be a jobber on AEW Dark. Yeah, no. ROH, your contract is for five million. You become the face of the company, and you have a lifetime contract. Uh. Hold All on, right. well, we still have two more. For Impact, it's 12 million. You can work with multiple wrestling promotions, but you can't sign with WWE or AEW once your contract expires. And House of Glory, you get 10% stake in the company, but you can't win the world championship. Okay, well, I am um, taking. Uh... Uh, I don't know, man. Well, I'm definitely not going to AEW because I don't want to be stuck on dark. That's just stupid. <laughs> um, Hold on, let me cross out uh, AEW then to eliminate that choice. Uh, House of Glory, uh, no. Okay. So your, uh, your options are ROH, WWE or Impact? Um, I, and re remind me, what were the specifics of, of the Ring of Honor one? For Ring of Honor, it's a $5 million contract. You're the face of the company and you have a lifetime contract. 
Yeah, I, I, I might I, I might end up taking that. As a matter of fact, I will because um, I don't I don't want to be in the WWE machine. I'd rather have you know creative freedom and just do my own thing. All right, so there you go, Ben. And, pl- and, and plus, in the interest of fairness, I have to say. That, that is my hometown prom- promotion. So the fact that I could stay home and be with my family and and my dogs all the time, that's that's another plus. All right, so Ben's an ROH superstar making $5 million a year. He's got a lifetime contract and he's the face of the company. Hell yeah, man. That, that's, one, that's one hell of a sexy face right there. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what, what is going on right now? <laughs> well, well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so, Ben, we say we bring this week's show to a close. Well, today's show until Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, fans, we'll talk to you all on Saturday. Ben, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, good people, and I do I do apologize for my headphone snafu. I will be getting a new ones for Christmas, but in the uh, in the meantime, I think we'll just I think we'll just forego my headphones uh, for the next couple shows, so we don't have. Well, you have a microphone on your computer, that works the same. Because I tried it out on mine once. Yeah, so you know what? Just do me a favor. Let me know how the audio turns out on on the show uh, once you, once you get it um, once you get it rendered, and then and then we'll go from there as to a strategy. All right. Okay, fans, who we'll talk to y'all on Saturday. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for You've been searching in the dark, sweat soaking through the floor And buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore Taking your breath, stealing your mind And all that was real is left behind Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you It's only this moment, don't care what comes after your fever dream, can't you see, getting closer Just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over